Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk MMA with you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. I am in Arequipa, Peru. Goes is in Las Vegas, Nevada. What's going on, Goes? The power of the internet connects us once again. Yeah, that's always a, a scary situation, but so far everything seems good and it's funny that we're on two different sides of the world, but we're still covering the sport we love. Could you hear that little fireworks show? No, I heard the water. If that without. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's just the cold water that I'm having right now. Boy, dude, let me tell you something. Peru gets down when it comes to fireworks. That's all I can say. Now, I know people want us to get into the results from this past weekend, the news, the fights, all that. So we will. But yeah, that's all I got to say. I will either do it on Triple G. Or maybe uh, a more laid-back junkie radio. Or maybe just even at the end of the show, if there's five minutes, we can squeeze in there. <laughs> I've seen... Because there's times where I'm not even watching uh, fireworks or anything like that. I'm actually witnessing bombs blowing up. It's nuts <laughs> over here. Yeah? Yeah. That's probably a, maybe a sensitive thing going on, you know, with the other side of the world, with Palestine and Israel. But mm-hmm. uh, that's really what it felt like. Like, the if we didn't stand behind this big wooden door at this church that we were at, that our great grandfather founded, you just could feel that impact, you know, that you see in movies that make people kind of like, uh, fall back. Right now it wasn't that strong, but you felt something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it, man. Let's do the UFC first. This is an MMA show. And I know at some point, at some point, uh, we want to get into, uh celebrity boxing but i got a better idea and then we'll start the show because you already know what we're gonna talk about yeah i was already off because i'm in the southern hemisphere my game was already off sorry about that yeah let's start off with the ufc the ufc had a fight night event called ufc fight night 230 it was this past weekend and edson barbosa and sadiq youssef were at the top of the bill they went a whole 25 minutes edson barbosa who was losing the fight early turned it around came back and won over sadiq youssef unanimous decision congrats to edson barbosa who by the way nicked a uh, fight of the night sorry a yeah fight of the night bonus and that's his ninth the most ever by any ufc athlete so not the most bonuses the most specific fight of the night uh, goes to Edson Barbosa and Sadiq Yusef. 50 Gs there. 
Let me tell you the rest of the results here. I'll have Ghost chime in, and then we'll talk about more bonuses. Vivian Araujo defeated Jennifer Maya. Jonathan Martinez stopped Adrian Yanez. Michelle Pajeda defeated Andre Protosky. Christian Rodriguez defeated Cameron Simon. Darren Elkins over TJ Brown. Tainara Lisboa over Ravina Oliveira. Terrence McKinney, 20, less than 20 seconds. No, 20 seconds over Brandon uh, Marat. Melissa Dixon defeated Irina Alexeva. Chris Gutierrez defeated uh, Ellen Tengley. Ellen Tengley, something like that. Ala Tengali. Yeah, I think I said it right. And Emily Ducat beat Yash, uh, Ashley Yoder. You know what? I'm already here. The other bonuses went to Martinez and Fajeda. All right, goes back to the top, man. What did you think of Barbosa versus Yusef? Dude, that was an amazing fight. So what made it so crazy, for those of you who haven't watched it, was in round one, Edson Barbosa. So the, the strikes that they threw at each other, and I said it out loud, too. I can't remember who was in the room. But I, I said, there's, there's just no way this is going to go the distance. Not the way they're throwing strikes right now. It's going to come down to just who hits who first. And Yusuf was just not backing down. He was right in his face. And sure enough, he landed a, a good shot. And Edson looked all but out of this fight. Props to the referee for letting it go as long as he did. There were maybe a couple moments where he probably could have stepped in there and we, it would have been a night and nobody would have had an issue with it. Somehow Edson survives and makes it through and then eventually like turns it around. And, and at one point... You know, even got Yusuf hurt a little bit. It, it was just a great fight, and it really just came down to scoring. You know how, how you looked at it. It was a very, very close fight, but uh, I, I did have Edson Barbosa winning it. Uh, but for him to just gut it out like that, a veteran, it just says so much about him. And it's one of those fights for Sadiq Yusuf that, like, you just feel for him because you know how many times do you hear the boss say, "You got to go for that finish. You got to go." He really did everything he could. And maybe it cost him a little bit later in the fight. He did slow down a little bit. Uh, that was his shot. And to kind of know that you were just seconds away from from putting a legend out like that, that's just such a good skin on your wall to have it's in Barbosa. And it didn't work out for him. I'm a little gutted for him, but I don't feel that he goes away with the same feeling that some of the, the, the fighters that lose on, on a main event go away with. I feel like you just kind of applaud both fighters. It was just a great fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he was a 140 underdog, Barbosa was. So he cashes. That's a nice cash for anybody that bet him. I still remember Barbosa debuting against Anthony Njokowani in March of 2011, UFC 1. Sorry. Uh, that, was, that was UFC 128. It might have been his second fight, but he debuted at UFC 123 in 2010. 13 years later, he's still going out there doing his thing. He's had a lot of fights. Um, and he's not slowing down, even though he's 37. He still shows some of that potent striking and, and sharpness and crips, crips, crispness to his, you know, the arsenal of strikes that he has. Can I ask you something? Did you know that off of memory or did you just read that? Um, No. Well, I knew that he had. Okay. I knew he fought in Joe Kawani. And as I was saying it, I thought, ooh, was that his first fight? I think that was the first fight I remembered. But he did debut. Uh, against Mike Lulo, right? So as I was saying that, I had an uncertainty, so I did look up that, but I knew he fought Enjo Kwan. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, so I was wrong. At, it was his second fight. At breakfast today, 
I was talking about, I can't remember who exactly it was, but it was a person that I just couldn't remember their name. And it's somebody that we kind of like deal with a lot, but I could remember everything else. You know, it's not like I was blanking out on everything. Mm-hmm. And so somehow the topic of, uh, you know, how you call yourself the goldfish. I, I was saying his memory is actually a lot better than he gives credit to, because you might not remember what you had for lunch yesterday, but you could remember how Brock Lesnar won and round and what round at, at what event I go, he's not really the goldfish that he says he is. So right mm-hmm. now I was just about to say, he just proved my point, but uh, it was a little bit of both. Right. Yeah, and a lot of times I'll have the main eventers up, so I'll kind of, what can I say, scan their notable wins or whatever, and as you're doing so, you just might retrieve something, and so it's like it's like your nerves, those neurons that fire, I guess. I, I know I'm sounding like a Bell's palsy patient right now, but if these certain nerves can connect, then I can smile, certain things like that, so if I connect certain dots, then I start to remember who might have been on the card, how it ended, or whatever. But, yeah, then there's other times if you go, what did you have for lunch yesterday? I'll be like, I don't know, you know? And sometimes I'll forget an uncle's name or something. It's it's weird. Um, yeah. I think what I have goes is maybe decent long-term, but short-term is, is not as great. Well, by the way, um, before I forget, I ran into O'Day Osborne at the park, and he was flying his drone. He says hi. Hmm. Okay. Hey, by the way, um, what what's going on with UFC two ninety four watch along? Well, it seems like we're we're good to go now. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. But I think you're gonna have uh, a co host, maybe. Oh, I might get somebody just to have there, but it mm-hmm. kind of all depended on this. You know how your transmission was gonna be. Your mm-hmm. transmission seems fine. Right. You could well, be downstairs, well, and I wouldn't know. There will be a watch along, folks, on Saturday. And yeah, I guess maybe we're lifting the curtain, peeling back the curtain, I should say. I wasn't sure what the speed would be, but the speed seems to be pretty decent. So there was a, a plan in place where maybe goes <laughs> and a fighter could, uh, you know, hold, hold down the fort, I guess, a little bit. And just, you know, I, I would be absent in this watch along, or I might pop in for a fight if, if I'm able to stream in. But. Uh, yeah, you're not going to believe us, but your mm. connection in Peru is probably better than your connection downstairs. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's good. All right. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, let's do that. We are going to have a watch along, folks. So if it's goes and two Muppets, uh, goes and Fedor Malenko, it'll be something will be going down and I will do my best to maybe join the party as well. So that yeah, trip was kind of spontaneous and we've just kind of been doing some patchwork stuff. And guess what folks too, you're going to probably get your hands on this uh, podcast here, this episode, some of you with plenty of time for the monthly sorry the weekly show that we do spinning back like live every monday it's back to noon eastern 9 a.m pacific so i will be on that one check that out and so speaking of fighters ufc featherweight cub swanson will join us for that program all right guys so let's dial it back here uh we've definitely pivoted quite a bit um we have Edson Barbosa getting the W. He got another bonus. All that's great. 
37 years of age. He's been doing it for a long time. And as far as Sadiq Youssef, uh, he didn't have a bad showing. He 10 aided him on two judges' scorecards. I don't think there's any controversy in terms of who won because I looked at MMA decisions at least. And, you know, from what I can tell on on online, on fight night, the right guy won, but Barbosa, some 48-45s, some 48-46s, a 48-47. Sorry, a 47-45. So he pretty much pretty dominated after Yusef's early run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were, I thought there were some some close rounds, but uh, it was a really fun fight to watch. I mean, you think there's a case for Yusef winning? No, I felt like Barbosa won. But yeah. when they were reading the judges' scorecards, I don't think mm-hmm. we were all like, yep, that's Barbosa. Because you really didn't know, you know, when 10 8s get involved. And even when Barbosa had his moment, you could have given him a 10 8. Like it, it was it was one of those types of fights. Mm-hmm. All right. What about the rest of the card? What did you think of the rest of the card? Um, I know I flashed through the card pretty quickly there, but, you know, we had those leg kick stoppage by Jonathan Martinez, a guy that we oh, interviewed who was yeah. extremely shy, doesn't open up. But guess go, guess what goes? He's a quiet 10 and 3 in the UFC. And now he can say, hey, I beat Adrian Yanez, who was a guy that was really getting pumped up in, you know, in the last few years. And he's run into a few roadblocks in 2023. Uh, Rob Font and now Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like you look at Adrian Yanez and you say, okay, was he overrated? I don't think that was the case. He's just kind of running the two guys that had really good game plans. With Jonathan Martinez, holy shit, man, those leg kicks were just absolutely brutal. And and he did what I think a lot of people felt was lacking from Jose Aldo later in his career. And you could mm-hmm. even maybe point to Edson Barbosa a little bit. And it was he went to his his strength right away. He was throwing them right away, and they were bothering uh, Adrian mm-hmm. Yanez from the from the get go. It, it kind of forced him to make adjustments, mm-hmm. but he got to the point where it forced him to just throw home runs. You could tell Adrian knew I cannot survive like this. I need to put this guy away right now. And um, you know he would switch the dances. He would try and check them, and he just couldn't do enough. And so that what that fight ended up being, in my opinion, was just Adrian. Throwing a home run punch and then going on the defensive and waiting to throw another home run punch, and it just wouldn't work out for him, and it, it was unfortunate. But Jonathan Martinez looked like an absolute monster, and I want to say he had like a strange call out at the end, um, but I, I want to say it was Morab. Um, it was. It, but, it was uh, more up, but with the acceptance that it's more than likely not going to happen, but still yeah, it was like loaded into the universe. You know, mm-hmm. so no one can go, no one can say he's ducking people, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that, that'd be fun. And he definitely is showing a lot of improvements, and he looks like he's going to be a player at that division. What do you think? Is is he just an introvert? Because remember when we interviewed him at the UFC Fan Expo? Yeah, so it was funny because they were, they were even saying on the broadcast that he's one of the funnier guys in the gym. And if you watch, like, his post-fight interview – and stuff like you can tell there's moments where he is kind of a funny guy. Um, I think it's just up to us maybe to, to pull that out of him a little bit more and he's got to give us a little bit more, mm-hmm. but he's definitely a guy that I'm, I'm shooting to try and get on the show this week. No, oh, that'd be great. I mean, like I said, we've already had him once, so we'd love to have him again. 
and maybe just kind of poke and prod and see if we can get some sort of a future outlook for him because he really is the type of guy that can kind of, uh, you know, he's, I guess what I'm saying is putting in, he's put in his time. That's a nice KO win, even though it's not like a clean KO, you know, fist to putting someone's lights out. It's still a fascinating one. I think a lot of people are fascinated with leg kick KOs. I mean, I am, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's just so uh, it's something you're not expecting. But like, if you remember, even if you go all the way back to the early days of the UFC, when we saw Paul Varlins go down to Marco Huas in that fashion, it just kind of changed the game a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. where you were like, oh my God, we are so used to things are going to get decided with your hands. Like, honestly, those first couple UFCs, not a lot of guys were throwing head kicks either. You know, you'd see Mm -hmm. Gerard Gordeau pop one, like a front kick or, or even hoist Gracie set up a takedown but you didn't mm-hmm. even really see that so when Maurice once you kind of introduced those right right he was one of the first ones to do that even uh pete williams remember he finished uh mark coleman with one of mark those but they, they didn't really throw those too often and so when you saw somebody go down the leg kicks you were like holy shit like it really doesn't matter like you can just find ways to chop people down even if you look at emmanuel yarborough right and how big he was keith hackney wasn't throwing leg kicks at that guy. He was just throwing punches, getting in and out, in and out. But uh, really, a guy with like some good leg kicks probably could have done a number on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything on Vivian Araujo over Jennifer Maya? That was the co-main event. I kind of skipped to the leg kicks because I told you I love the leg kicks. Or even Michelle Pajeda debuting at 185 and finishing Andre Petrosky. Any thoughts on any of those fights? I thought Araujo was just very dominant. You know, there just didn't seem to be any any other result. Like, you could just kind of see it creeping and creeping and creeping. Uh, it was a good victory for her. Mm-hmm. Pajeda, uh has already kind of dismissed anything about, well, is it a one-time thing? He sounds like he's happy at 185, happy. can eat what he wants. And it sounds like, you know what it sounds like more? It's more mental freedom that he has uh you know to go along with the physical of course but still like he really just seems like a happy dude yeah i think it was um oh man who was it somebody was talking about running into him in the pi like the day before or something and just putting their hand on his shoulder and going holy shit this guy's big he's just happy now and that's good that that's such a big part of the game like you have to enjoy life and if and you know he showed that he can do this I'm all for that. I think fighters should should do those things. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Just the, was it? Yeah. Okay. So the rest of the card, like I say, I already gave out the bonuses, and it's I don't get too excited about uh, leg kicks. I'm sorry about um, fight nights. <laughs> I got thrown off. Did you hear those fireworks? I, uh, yeah, but that just the the fireworks on our end kind of just sound like things going on in the house, like somebody moving a chair or something. Yeah, no, these are monsters, man. They go hard. I like them. Uh, Darren Elkins defeated T.J. Brown. I think that's pretty notable. You know, Elkins has been around for a long time. He's thirty nine years of age. Says he still doesn't want to stop. Says he's injury free. But the damage, like he won't go away. He's like a Clay Guida, like an Edson Barbosa, Jim Miller. You know what I mean? Like, hey. I can still fight, pay me some decent money. I'll be the test for the young guys. They either get mm-hmm. past me or they don't. But 
like it's they're scrappy fights yeah but the so this is like the argument that we always have not you and me but just overall with fighters is like why are you gonna wait until that performance that tells you you have to go right like you can kind of already feel it and i understand this is the most fighters probably have made uh, since the sport started and you want to make those big paychecks but i just don't want him to wait until he gets completely ko'd to say now is the time i, I think he should treat every fight kind of like it could be the last one and depending on what the the matchup is because dude man like some of these up-and-coming guys man they're they're unforgivable right like if, if if you um if you look at like a jonathan martinez like do you want to wait for a guy that maybe a lot of people don't know about they're no joke this dude will not like clean your clock you know any any of these young up-and-comers you don't want to mess around with any of those types of fighters so i would say if i'm him it was a competitive fight and he didn't dominate mm-hmm. the whole fight. You know, mm-hmm. there were times where he was put in submissions, mm-hmm. but uh, I think you need to treat every fight like it could be your last. And, and hopefully he knows when the time is right, because he's taken a lot of punishment in the cage and he thrives may- on it though. Right. Yeah. But maybe this one would have been a good one to, to go away on, but who knows, man. Mm-hmm. Terrence McKinney gets his second KO in under 20 seconds. <laughs> and I know Anthony Johnson's another guy that's done it, and I think there might there might be one or two other cats in that group. He's kind of pissed, though, because he didn't get a bonus. Um, and he's actually made a good case for him being late to the party, you know, uh, like taking a fight on late notice or just him, him having a flashy KO. And he's like, what the hell does it take for me to get a bonus here, man? I think he's got a point. Yeah, I agree with him because that's the whole point of the the matter. Like, okay, if that's not worthy of a bonus, what should I have done? Should I not have knocked him out that fast? Should I have let the fight go on longer? Did you not give me the right opponent? Would it have been somebody else? Would you have given me? Because that's not out of his control, right? So Mm -hmm. that's where arguments like the one that you've, kind of champion for so long with give all the finishers bonuses would kind of benefit but that would be my first question when you go in the back say okay i didn't get the bonus but what could i have done to get the bonus and then they got to give you some kind of answer right and it seems like whatever that answer is going to be is going to be something that's out of terrence mckinney's control then it's not your problem it's their problem it is because it's it's not his fault if someone's getting him an opponent on late notice or him being the late notice guy. I mean, it's not like maybe the same type of buildup on either side, but the KOs are the KOs, man. To beat someone else at this level in 20 seconds and do it for the second time, like that that is pretty special. It's pretty special, all I can say. Yeah. And this dude in July got waxed. I remember Nazim Sadikov got gave him the RNC and then he got the flying knee as well. So 2023 started kind of crappy for him, right? But he's shaken off those two losses, and now he's beating Mike Breeden and Brendan Marat, and he wants to face Chris Duncan, who he originally was supposed to face, uh, and he wants to do it before the end of the year, which would be five fights this year. But if you finish on three-fight win streak, especially with you know stoppages, <laughs> that's an easy way to figure, forget the early part of the year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, and then the other thing, the only other fight, I guess, that I thought merited a little bit of 
discussion is is Ashley Yoder probably done now after losing this fight uh, to Emily Ducati? Yeah, that was a rough one. Um, you know, you and I actually called one of her fights where the reason her name stuck out to us was she got cut really badly and she was mm-hmm. able to bounce back and win that fight. So this isn't the first time that she's looked like that at the end of a fight. Uh, but this one was tough, you know, and she's coming back from an injury. Who knows if she's uh, feeling a hundred percent, but I do know that like outside of fighting, she does do things. I mean, she has a, uh, ways to maintain herself and that might have to be her route or maybe she has to look to go to another organization i don't know what she's thinking but uh that one was probably a a rough one for her unfortunately she's lost five of her last six and now she's eight and nine so she's not a 500 fighter she's very personable and cool and the ufc likes a fighter to have a personality and she's tough man she really is I enjoy watching her kind of test younger fighters because, look, she's no spring chicken either. Um, 35 years old, going on 36 pretty soon. So, look, we got to call it as it is. This you, There's sometimes where you see a fight, you match it up with either a poor run or that that number, you know, the age number, and you go, could this one have been it? And I, I think this one might be it for her. Um, she's also had long lulls where she doesn't hasn't fought, so she can't even – Sometimes fall back on that. Well, he's he or she's always there for us. You know what I mean? So we're going to hang in there with him. Of course, Sam Alvey being the classic case there. <laughs> yeah, a former uh, training partner of hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if they book her again, I'm not hating. What are you going to do? But, yeah, the, get her a plastic surgeon for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, don't do the, the, the outside stitches. Okay, so look. What about this thing, man? Dylan Dennis and Logan Paul. We can't get away from it. It trafficked well for us. I was watching uh, social media. People were all over it. Of course, it was a garbage fight. We're not. No one's ever trying to say these are proper boxers or anything. But people gave enough. You know what I mean? There's no way around that. People actually cared about it, and I I can't still figure out why, but they do. So we got to cover it, even if it's just five minutes. What were your thoughts? Well, here's, here are the stories from the outside looking in. I was a guy that maybe gave two shits about it, but here's what I was curious about. I probably wasn't going to order it, but I did want to know, is he going to make it to the fight? Is there going to be something that gets him out of this fight, right? And based on what we saw that week with the UFC, I mean, there's definitely things that will take you out of the fight. So that's one thing that I was kind of enamored with. Now, when you go to the press conference and you see them get into the scuffle, and you see him hit uh, Logan Paul in the face with that mic, he cut him up, and you could see right away. And and that's kind of like that thing where we can all point to and say, yes, see, he was going to get out of it. No matter what, we knew it. And and you can't even really blame him because Logan Paul threw the first strike, right? Like He threw the microphone at him, so he could almost say, well, I was defending myself. I can't just let that happen. He would have had a way. You know what he is? He's kind of like your your uh, Riddler or Lex Luthor, you know, like they just kind of find a way to get away and and they'll be back the next episode of Batman, that sort of thing. And that that almost seemed like it was going to be the moment. Those those uh, 10 hours that maybe we thought, 
oh my god is he out is uh is mike perry gonna be in what's gonna happen here that got my attention and upgraded me to i'm probably still not gonna order it but i want to know what happens Mm -hmm. so when he finally walked out and got in there that's that's when it like clicked in my head and i was like holy shit he's actually gonna fight this is not a good idea. He's not a boxer. He's barely an MMA fighter, right? He's just a <laughs> jiu-jitsu guy. And um, yeah, I guess the, the fight that we all imagined would happen played out. I don't know. If you're Dylan Dennis, like, if you're his best friend, can you really hate? Like, you're probably happy for him, right? He just collected a gigantic paycheck. Mm-hmm. He's done it really without having to do much, right? In MMA, he's barely fought. In boxing, he just went out there and basically covered up and got out of there. Uh, he got disqualified, but what does he care? He's not a boxer. He doesn't give a shit, but he made a lot of money. His YouTube probably keeps growing. Um, the dude is is doing what, uh, what he wants and making money doing it. I don't know if he has the shelf life. I don't know if people... If this makes people want to tune into what he has to say more or if people are just absolutely done with him. You know, I don't even want to say he made a mockery of boxing because that's so obvious that he did. He made a mockery, honestly, of, I guess, the status of where we are in combat sports in this low-level celebrity boxing. George, he made because a mockery of it all. Yeah. That's what way, he did. But in a way, we're like, oh, well, I guess we'll take the traffic. You know, I'm being honest here. We'll take the traffic. People want to tune in. When we post up, people tune in. You can't deny that at all. Now, who does it? I don't know. And if you're a hardcore fan that says it's bullshit, it sucks, I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. But guess what? You're outnumbered by like 90 others that kind of go, this is crazy, but fun. And here's Mm -hmm. the thing. He got paid. Who wouldn't do that? A lot of us would box Logan Paul for a million bucks. Hell, a lot of us said I think we'd get knocked out by Mike Tyson for a million bucks. But here's what was supposed to happen. He should have gave a better offering. He just absolutely did nothing. But someone's already going to pay him, so whatever. But what I'm pissed at is that Logan Paul didn't squash him like a bug. I wish he would have right. done that so we could kind of like move on. All right, bro. Are you going to go back to submission grappling where you're one of the best, you know, in your weight class? Or are you going to go to MMA and finish what you started? Because mm-hmm. other than that, I'm tired of hearing about you. I really am. Um, I kind of hope he runs into a bad boy like a Mike Perry or Diaz brother or Masvidal. I don't know who. And someone clocks him, you know, because that's what he seems to like is that kind of stuff. So it's not like I'm wishing wishing death upon him, not doing that, but he just kind of needs to be, I guess, squashed like a little bug, and then maybe that'll just, that'll be it, but he he, he kind of was it, it ended in this way, he went for a guillotine, Logan Paul got out of that easily, so, you know, he'll have a little bit of bragging rights or whatever, but Logan Paul didn't, didn't really make this guy pay, and a poor boxer was standing in front of him, dude, Logan Paul, I mean, I know he technically gets the finish, and oh, by the way, Dake Drake cashes, but he, he should have squashed. Jake Paul would have squashed him. Yeah, he needed to knock him out. That's that. That was the only uh, method of victory. Like this, this is a win, but I don't know that this is a victory. And and another thing that I thought about with this new era and just making money, 
I kind of feel like the Diaz brothers lost a a little bit here in the sense that Nate Diaz fought Jake Paul a lot better than I thought he would have. It was a lot closer of a fight than I thought it would have been. I don't see why they, they should have been ringside and they should have called for, you know what? Let's fight again. Rematch Jake Paul, Nick and Nate Diaz, and then have Nick Diaz say, I'll take Logan and turn that into something. And make mm. even more money. I, I I feel like they missed the boat on that. I think the see the Diaz brothers are like the UFC. Somehow they just always land on their feet, and so there'll be a big opportunity for them to make money. They put in their time; they deserve it. They've been the Diaz brothers for about a good twenty years now. But yes, goes they could have been a lot richer pair of Stockton Bros that. You know, get down. They could have been a lot richer. They could have done a lot more. So this isn't the first time they missed an opportunity, but they'll still be all right. Although they flirted with, I don't want to say like, um, you know, bankruptcy or or being poor or anything, but you know, with just kind of like flirted with maybe not having the potential to make big money is what mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe guys that were just gonna show up, exit. And then just not have too much to show for that, you know, and and not be able to do it. But you know, these guys I think couldn't make something with with their brand. Um, but they just, like I say, they they're not as savvy uh, all the way around. They they kind of have it down for combat sports. But I always wonder, could a tequila have been, you know, part of their, I guess, brand? I gotta, I hate using that word, but you know, could could. Could they have done that? I mean, a lot of times they're their own worst enemy. You know, they won't show up to back in the day. It was you'd have to cross your fingers. Hopefully, they would show up to some sort of watch a viewing party. party or whatever. You know, watch parties and they could easily pick up, up easily pick up, you know, ten k, twenty k, just to kind of watch the fights they're going to watch at home anyway. But they missed the flight, or they did this, or they did that. They'll um, be the first ones to tell you that they don't really enjoy fighting so much. And I do mm-hmm. understand that, but at the same time, you just you know you're going to end up doing it. So why not try and capitalize as much as you can? And I think uh, I just feel like their method has always been: I'm going to collect a big paycheck, and then I'm going to spend as much as I spend. And when I need money, I'll fight again. And that mm-hmm. uh, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. Like I say, they'll wind up on their feet like a cat. They got lies, but they could have done a lot more with the hands that they've been dealt. Uh, they fold a lot, I guess. I guess is the only other thing I can say. On that same card, so basically it was 10-9 times 5, so 5 rounds to nothing for Logan Paul. It ends via disqualification, which is a TKO. So Drake wins his $850,000 bet that was made public. And uh, Tommy Fury beat KSI. Now, that one was a little bit closer. That had two fifty-seven, fifty-sixes, and then I think a 57-57 or something like that. And so he won a majority decision, but it's it's a draw. Sorry, it doesn't go down as a draw. It goes down as a majority decision, so he does get the win. But it was pretty damn close because one judge gave it a draw. And that's a pro mm-hmm. boxer against another one of these YouTube sensations. Yeah, the dude, he takes it really serious, though. I, I want to say even maybe more than, than Jake Paul does, but uh, t- 
Tommy Fury, I think uh, he's still got room to grow. You know, he is a professional boxer and he has kind of grown up in this, but he should be not light years ahead of these guys, but he it should be kind of like what you would expect in like a, a sparring session to him. And it's not really looking that way. It's more looking like competitive fights. Yeah, I think obviously he'll always be measured to his brother, half brother, whatever. And we all know he's definitely not that level. But I thought KSI should have been the type of fight he should win. If he can't win that one, if he can't finish him, then I just don't expect much from him against real boxers. Because he's 10 and 0, but his last two wins are Jake Paul and KSI. So mm-hmm. now, is he doing a bad thing? Hell, I bet you he's making more money than certain boxers, you know, that are all they want to do is box and be a world champion but he's definitely making more money than them so if he wants to stay on that route okay but why not go out and smash these guys you know so that maybe you can get back in there and and maybe get on the same card as your brother that'd be huge for him i think yeah this week we launched the 30 greatest fighters in ufc history so be on the lookout for that folks where you started a few days ago and we already released the number 30 guy dustin poirier and if you see it online, maybe give it some love. We're all really trying to go out of our way to retweet, comment, share, that type of stuff. But this is pretty big for MMA Junkie. As a team, collectively, we all took part in it. So you'll see us in the narrator roles for, you know, like three or four each. Us being the reporters, a couple of the editors, the radio guys. And, of course, the stars of the group, the video team. I gave them a social media shout-out, but I want to give them a shout-out on our, on our show. Ken Hathaway, Abby Subhan, Cold Coffee and Kamikaze, if you will. Those guys really did a lot. And so, you know, special shout-out to them. They made us look good for starters, but they kind of just glue it all together. So when you see a real cool video, it's it all has has to do with those two. So special shout out to them. Uh, Number 30 was Dustin Poirier, and today's release was Frank Shamrock. He's the number 29 guy. And you know what's funny, goes is right away people were like, what, you guys are crazy. You got this guy over Dustin Poirier, and you got the hardcores going, learn the game casual. And then you got the young ones going, what's this old dude do? Done, but... Hey, look, man, Frank Shamrock won a title and defended it four times. Like, respect, man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he was doing it in an, era, in an era where it was 170 to 200 and 200 on up. So, like, there wasn't this whole 10 pounds, 15 pounds or whatever. He'd be guys like Jeremy Horn, Boss Rudin backing Pancras, Tito Ortiz, Kevin Jackson, the wrestler. I mean, like, there's some names there. I think uh, that big Baroni fight in Strike Force. Yeah, the Baroni fight as well. Uh, Lover, John Lover was another guy. So you know, these were some early tough guys. And is is the game what it is now? I don't know. Well, let me tell you something, folks. I want you to think about this. Don't throw it in our face. Oh, well, this happened in the '90s or whatever. Doesn't Jordan still hold up? Jordan won six titles. He won like 90 to 92. And then he came back in, I I believe it was 94 to 96 or something like that. And yeah, sure. Some people will say it's Kobe, uh, Kareem, um, LeBron or whatever. But I think 
95% of us still say, yeah, it was Jordan. So guess what? You know, he did what he did at that time. He still holds up. Now, I'm not trying to put Shamrock on that level, but what I'm saying is, you know, it wasn't that long ago. And he fought who was in front of him. Um, and we're not even hating on Dustin Poirier. Just th- these are all pretty great fighters that have done a lot of stuff. But look, if you want to get nitpicky, Shamrock won the undisputed title and defended it four times. Poirier won the interim title. He was a stud at featherweight, stud at lightweight, but he didn't win in the undisputed title. So obviously with that came no title defenses. So if you just want to get technical, I think even Dustin Poirier would tip his hat. Yeah, it could be. I mean, that's what makes these lists fun, though, is you want people to chime in. You want them to give their opinions as a whole. This is where we ended up. But if you can, you know, uh, help us make even a bigger debate and retweet all these and and help us out in that sense, because it really was fun to do. And the people that put it together did amazing jobs. Abby and uh, Ken Hathaway. Faux show. So be on the lookout for 28. Uh, I think they would kill me if I kind of give you guys uh either the name or some sort of a clue is there yeah. a clue we can give goes or would we just keep our pie holes shut keep our pie holes shut <laughs> all right uh we'll say this it's just a big person not a small person there you go um hey how about this you know brandon mills the son of ufc legend mad hughes he fought right he debuted unfortunately he lost and the scores weren't too friendly 29-28, and a 30-26, all against him. Uh, he lost to Jordan Clark, who was on his fourth fight. He now goes to 3-1, and one, he, uh, Mills to 0-1. Look, I don't know much about this guy, um, but he was on that same card as Militich and Mike Jackson, who we'll get to in just a second. What I can tell you is Hannon Burrell and Chris Cyborg both lost their fights, and they went on to become world champions. But again, I don't know much about True. this guy. I don't know. I don't know what you know what he might do with all this, but just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, Matt Hughes, I believe, was in his corner, so pretty cool. And so let's just talk about Mike Jackson versus Pat Meltich. You know, when I first heard about it, goes I thought, okay, I'm kind of interested. You know, Jackson's been getting into it with people, whether it's online or on the streets. He's the guy that got taken down by Jake Shields at the, at the PI. Later on, I guess him and the UFC parted ways because Mike Jackson was a member of the UFC at, at that point. And if you want to connect more dots, Mike Jackson's the first guy to fight um, CM Punk. So, oh no, second person to fight CM Punk. The first guy was Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall, yeah. Um, but yeah, these two guys, so they actually used to train together. They were friends. But politics divided these two. Of course, you know, Pat Militich is right wing. Mike Jackson, a little bit more of a liberal guy. Well, they got in, they, they, they got in some a couple rounds, which Militich did well in. However, he quit on the stool between rounds two and three. So he's the one that got his hand raised. But I think Militich can look himself in the mirror and go, well, I still did more to him than than he did to me. You know, I don't think Militich, it's not like Militich was undefeated or anything. Uh, he's had a Hall of Fame career. I think he just wanted to punch him a few times, and he did. Yeah. Um, you know, Pat's Pat's up there in age now. And on top of uh, everything, you know, the last time we saw him in combat sports, he fought Michael Nunn in a mm-hmm. kick, kickboxing fight, and that didn't go his way either. So I, I kind of was against seeing this fight, but 
it happened and you know I, I i don't know how much street cred i think it was just a personal beef that we all got to watch play out mm-hmm. how about that though you know because no one will ever accuse him of being a puss remember those stories we had to hear about the military group and how oh, much yeah. they pushed each other and yes he's 55 now um but he just chose to not get off the stool so that's kind of a guy that emptied every drop from the gas tank mm-hmm. smashed yeah. him with some elbows too man so you know whatever um lastly well maybe there might be one other thing craig jones who's a world-renowned grappler had something interesting to say he says that Volkanovski is going to put an end to, Con- to Sambo at UFC 294. So Jones is highly respected in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu world, submission grappling. He's probably, I think if you spoke to people that know that sport and you said name the best five going today, you know you're going to hear names like, obviously, you know, Felipe Pena and Gordon Ryan, Nicky Rodriguez. Craig Jones will be not too far behind. And he's uh, an Australian. He's a coach to Volkanovski. And so, look, Volkanovski was in some tough spots against Islam Makhachev the first time. And I think he survived them because Jones coached them, right? But he's going so far. Brian Ortega before that. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's going so far as to say that Volkanovski, who's taking the fight on less than two weeks' notice, he didn't have no other fight booked. Uh, is going to kill Sambo, and we're going to stop hearing about this Russian dancer was the quote that he said. Uh, I guess, look, it maybe lifts the fight a little bit, a little bit of trash talk. I don't know if Volkanovsky's okay with it or not or whatever. I mean, they are the away team. Um, but I don't know. Like, Sambo, Sambo's done well. You know what I mean? Like, Stop it. Like, Fedor Emelianenko, Habib Nurmagomedov, like, I, I don't know, to not be sold on Sambo, like, when I, I want to like Craig Jones. I don't know him very well, but I want to like him. Just say something one step less than that is what I'm saying. One step, and we won't label you as, you know, a clown or ridiculous or anything like that. Yeah, no, I think Sambo's been able to prove itself in mixed martial arts for sure. It, it deserves its respect. Mm-hmm. I like, uh, like I say, I I like it. He says if Sambo was easy, it would be called jujitsu. But I think I've heard other versions of either jujitsu and judo or judo and wrestling. That's that's not anything original. I've seen that before. He just twisted it uh, around a little bit. He says Sambo's a myth. I mean, he was saying a lot of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, so what do we have this week? UFC 294 is upon us Saturday. There will be a watch along, but a couple things you should know. Early start time. They are in Abu Dhabi, and they are ahead of us. So we are going to, you know, usually the UFC is, is a stickler to 10 Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, for the start of the main card. But with their partners in Abu Dhabi and them being like, I think, eight hours ahead, they're adjusting it. Or something like that. 12 hours ahead, 10 hours, doesn't matter. Here are the start times. Excuse me. The prelims start at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Included in those prelims, here are some big fights. Um, 
Tim Elliott versus Mohamed Malkaev. That's your main event of the prelims, I guess. Uh, Javid Basharat versus Victor Henry. That should be pretty good. Uh, Nathaniel Wood is back. He faces Mohamed Naimov. Jinju Fry versus Victoria Dudikova. A few others. Then the pay-per-view portion starts at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. We got Islam Makashev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Hamza Shemaya versus Kamaro Uzman. Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. Ikram Aliskarov versus Nasruddin Imovov. And Moon Gafarov versus Saeed Nurmagomedov. So, look, I don't think anyone can argue with the top three, man. Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. That probably should have some title implications for what's right now, I guess, a vacant. Um, you know, there's, there's no there's no champ there, but these guys aren't too far behind is what I'm trying to say. So I don't think anyone any one of us is displeased with uh, this fight card, correct? No, I like this card all the way from the bottom to the top. I think there's interesting matchups. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and look, I know we rail on the UFC. We did it last week, so I don't want to get into it, you know, again. At the end of the day, as we get close, all we can do is just look forward to it. And they are some pretty, really, really intriguing fights. But, you know, two former, sorry, a current champ is moving up and a former champ is going, is moving up. So it's not really, you know, top two guys from, well, the, well, the co-main event's not a title fight, but you know what I mean. That That's just kind of mm-hmm. my biggest gripe. Um, by the way, Prochaska and Pajeda are fighting for that vacant title. So I see the winner of Ankoliev and Walker being possibly in a good spot, especially, especially if they can impress to fight the winner of this fight. This fight is three weeks later at UFC 295 uh, in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to end it a little bit short. Yeah, you want to say anything goes on the way out? If I missed anything, I know we covered the boxing, the uh, yeah. and Barbosa fight and some of the controversies out there, I guess maybe give a little taste of the USADA updates that we've had. Um, I know we're going to get into it tomorrow on, on spinning back click, but I guess it has been big news. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest mistake in this whole thing was the way the news came out to us. Because the way it came out to us was we're done with USADA. Or it's more actually more of a USADA, the UFC's done with us. Them making that announcement, it confused the hell out of everyone. Because the first question you want to ask is, well, does that mean drug testing's going away? Or does that mean the UFC's going to handle it themselves? Because we don't want that. That's where the biggest issue in all this is. And since our last show... Uh, Hunter Campbell and Jeff Nowitzki sat down and actually took questions from the media and kind of elaborated a little bit more on the situation. I applaud them for doing that. I think that's absolutely necessary. Um, I'm sure all this created a shitstorm for them. And and now we have a little bit more uh, more of a game plan of what, in which direction the UFC is going. And they're not going to get away from drug testing. They're just going to go with a different company. Um, and that can end up being a, a good thing for the UFC if what they're saying is true. If they're really going to address some of these things that I think fighters are sick of getting woken up in the middle of the night, getting asked for piss tests during uh, during weight cutting, getting away from some of the blood samples, you know, doing different types of testing, 
Uh, looks like they're going to be going after EPO now more more frequently. Those are all good things. You know, the only drawback I think that people are going to ask is, well, like what what role did Conor McGregor really play in all this? And I think the UFC did a good job of explaining. Look, we uh, we never said that he was going to get away from the six month mark. We told Usada, there's no way he's going to get around it. He's going to have to do it. The problem is, Conor McGregor doesn't say that, right? When he when he goes on social media, he says basically what he says goes. I think where the big problem came was the UFC needed to check this guy. And when he says something like that, come out and say, no, that's false. That will not be happening. Because people are going to knock on USADA's door and go, wait a minute. You guys are supposed to be the end-all, be-all. You're going to allow this to happen? They need to be able to provide an answer. They can't say, no, no, no. Behind closed doors, they told us no. Like That's not their their situation. So I do feel like uh, Conor McGregor threw a little bit of gasoline on this fire that led us to where we're at, and that is unfortunate. But according to Jeff Nowitzki and uh, Hunter Campbell, this is something that was kind of in the works anyway because of some of the things that you know I just brought up, the, the app not being the easiest to deal with, the whereabouts of fighters. It seems like we were going to kind of go in that direction anyways. So if that's the case, then look, we just got there a little sooner than we thought. It doesn't mean that USADA is gone today. They're, they're, this is till the end of the year. These guys are still getting tested. And then a new system will be introduced. But uh, I like that we got more information on it. And now we can we can speak on it a little bit more intelligently. Yeah, and if the UFC was on board with what USADA was doing, I think they could have just said it. They always made it a mysterious thing, which led us to believe they could tweak the rules and maybe the guy, maybe get this guy in on four months instead of six, and then we start wondering. And then it has different branches, right? Then we start wondering, well, why four? Um, is it because they need a main event, you know, at the four month mark, and so they're willing to tweak the rules, or you know, is as as McGregor or found some sort of a loophole, you know, that would help him at, at some point, you know, I, it, all that sounds shady. So for Hunter, for Hunter Campbell to go, no, we were in agreement. He was going to do six months. Well, you could, yeah, definitely. We could have known about that a little bit more. Here's a little bit of what we know. And again, we're going to cover this thoroughly tomorrow on spinning backlink there with uh, a new outfit called uh, DFSI. Drug They've been around Drug-Free Sport International. Drug-Free Sport International has been around for two decades. They worked with uh, the NCAA, NFL, um, Major League Baseball. So they have been involved in professional sports. Now, there's going to be a little bit of mudslinging going on. And so who's heading the program? You're going to hear his name get th- kind of thrown out and maybe his past. And, you know, I'm not, I don't know. I believe more in the tests. You know what I'm saying? And the tests are the tests. And they'll start up in 2024 when USADA ends out. Because I just feel like it. George Firo is the guy, right? Yeah. I just feel like. Well, then we got to do a deep dive into the guy accusing Jeff Pirro, you know, of, you know, or or, or suggesting that we should look into it. Man, who's got time for all that? I just want to see fights and I want to know that they're clean 
and it sounds like at least that part's taken care of. And I want, and I don't want a Johnny Come Lately outfit to do it either. And so we heard that that's not the case with Drug Free Sport International. Mm-hmm. So, but do we have to start looking into them? Sure, I guess I'm wrong. Maybe we do have to look into them a little bit and see, you know, what rabbit hole well, that leads us down. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a pretty amazing rabbit hole because right away I could tell you he's been doing martial arts for a long time. I think he's a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So mm-hmm. he loves the sport. But if you feel like you've heard this name before, it's because this is the dude that interrogated Saddam Hussein, you know, <laughs> from the, with the FBI. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was the guy that went in there and for, I want to say a period of at least a month was kind of the, the mouthpiece between Saddam and, and the American forces. And if you, uh, if you look into the sky and you you look at the psychology of what it is he had to do with Saddam Hussein to gain his trust, to understand him, uh, to get him to open up, it's pretty fascinating. He's a fascinating individual. And mm-hmm. so you don't just grab a Muppet and, and say, hey, you want to want to interrogate Saddam Hussein today? Like, no, you got to earn something like that. Now, from that point on, what has he done? Who knows, right? We gotta we gotta kind of look into that. But uh, I, I know that's definitely they did not reach into the bucket of uh, labeled scrubs to pull this guy's name out, right? Right. You know, but everyone has a past, and even the guy saying that Rosada went full Britney Spears, he had a controversy at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I guess I'm just glad that it'll be a seamless transition, and I'm glad that these guys have been doing it for a while. Um, since we don't know the full truth, again, it's 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 hard to say these guys are right, these guys are wrong, or vice versa. But yeah, you were right with Hunter saying, Hunter Campbell saying, um, this whole time Connor would have had to do the six months. I think that would have gone a long way in clearing things up for McGregor, for fans, for Michael Chandler, who I know has said. I really don't care, but come on, man. He's a pretty honorable guy. I think he just wanted to make sure he never lost the fight, and that's why he think he was willing to go in there and, and dance with the devil if he had to. But still, why do that when, you know, you're getting woken up at 6 a.m.? So um, I don't see why your dance partner should have. But mm-hmm. you'll see a lot more of this on tomorrow's Spinning Back Like, And I know some of you might not catch it live. So just know that it's available on our YouTube page right away. As soon as the show's over, youtube.com forward slash MMA junkie video. And you can see it in its entirety. Uh, you know, beginning right at I guess 1 p.m. Eastern, 10, 10 a.m. Pacific when the show's done. But we will start at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So we'll see you all tomorrow, right, folks? Fun stuff here at MMA Junkie Radio as always. And always thank you for your support. We'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast 
set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.